Welcome to Dentistry Unmasked. I'm Pam Maragliano Muniz. With me, as always, turns out I'm still David Rice. Pam, we've got two great guests today, don't we? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Okay, so many people graduate from dental school, and it's like you go, you become a dentist, and you think that your life is now to just like live within the four walls of your operatory, and then you're there, and you're like, well, that's my life. And that doesn't have to be your life, right? So with us today, again, Dr. Brian Novi, and with us for the first time, Dr. Ashley Robinson. Welcome. Woo. Thank you for having me. So happy to have both of you here. Now, you have a different story. You guys took a different path, and you look pretty happy. So I want to hear about it. Ashley, you go first. Well, thanks. I did take a different path. I think most dentists and most patients need a dentist who practices in private practice, so it makes sense that most people would do that. But there are a lot of people who, patients, who don't benefit from that type of setting. So my practice is actually a mobile practice where I work out of my home. I wake up every morning, I go into my home office, I pack up my mobile equipment, and then I go meet patients in their home because a lot of patients can't get into the four walls of a dental practice. A lot of patients have mobility problems or maybe they're older adults or have special needs. So my practice is a house call practice. And I, I used to call it a mobile practice, but that can be confusing because then some people think of a mobile unit or van. Yeah. But the truth is my patients could never get into a mobile van. A lot of them are in hospice care they're in a hospital bed or their wheelchair. So I, I go directly into their home and I turn the entire world into my office instead of four walls. So my every day is different for me. I get to stop by the post office or the bank if I need to in the middle of appointments, um, make phone calls in the car, like a very flexible lifestyle. Yeah. And um, I think it's very valuable to patients too. It's Heck yeah. Valuable. Are you kidding me? That's, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No, because I, care, but I, it's I, in a different way. I don't want to jump. I was, I, jump I, in. I want to, well, I was just talking to someone about this the other night because I have recently been exposed to the I'm going to say the traumatic hos, uh, the foster care system and mm. group and foster group homes, and these kids are being denied access to care because they are living in a group home where there is no responsible adult who can take off time from work, get them to a dental office for effective preventive care, and these kids wind up as, I'm going to say, dentally disabled adults who have never received care because no one like you was able to go in to, a, to like a foster group home and provide care. And I'm thinking, wouldn't it be amazing to be able to deliver care to the foster community who doesn't have adults who are looking out for their... I'm just going to say it. They don't always have adults looking out for their best interest. If they have a really great relationship with a social worker, fine. But oftentimes, you know, they're, they're transient patients in and out. So kudos to you for taking care of this. But like hospice patients, my gosh, that was incredibly rewarding to me. I talked about that in my lectures, about the hospice patients. They're amazing. Thanks. You yeah. can't recline in the chair, but you get them home in their lazy boy recliner. Yeah, I got them recline. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. Yeah. I want to know more about, so I want to know, I want, can I ask her questions? Am I, allowed, am I allowed to ask questions? You're allowed to ask questions. This is a rebel podcast. We're oh, just doing it. Okay. All right. So when I've, done, when I've gone into patients, because I've had patients who have aged out, go into hospice, they call the office, we're homebound, we can't come in anymore. Fine, no problem. I can come to you. Pack up my doctor's bag. I've got my loops. I, have, I go into their house. I have a couple tray covers. I go into the kitchen, get a cup of water, an empty cup. So I've got my spittoon, I've got my water source. I got a toothbrush, I got Live Fresh gel, I brush their teeth. And I always tell people, no one's expecting to do endo in their living room, right? We have amazing chemical therapeutics that we can apply to patients' teeth, stabilize them, and make sure that the end of life is comfortable for them. Yeah. So what is your kind of, I just have to know, because I don't know if we're going to talk later today. <laughs> what, what's the shtick that you go through when you walk into someone's home? Obviously, you have a, if it's a new patient you've ever met before, they're just completely foreign to this idea that I'm literally getting the type of care that my 
my grandfather and grandmother used to get where I have a house call from my doctor. This is a ma- patients eat that up. They so do. what's well, your what's your the families? Your, uh, yeah, so sure. when I meet a new patient, they're either calling for one of two reasons. It's a someone calling who just heard about an in-home dentist and they say, "You know, I haven't been in 8 or 10 years. I, nothing's wrong, but can you just come do an exam?" And then in that case, I'll do um, compact oral and bite wings and we'll take like an inventory. So you have a nomad. Right? Yep. Take a nom- okay. And then in other cases people call and they say, "Listen, I'm really calling you with a problem. My loved ones in hospice, they probably have a million dental needs, but there's, they're in pain. Can you address this acute issue? So it's either one or two um, when I meet a new patient. And my thing is when I go into the house, I tell people everyone's concerned. Everyone's so polite. They're like, can I bring the lamp over here? Do you need a new table cleared? I say, <laughs> no, don't worry about it. Right. I say, I, don't just be comfortable me. and I'll work my way into your living room, whatever that means. Right. If I have to clear a table, I will. If I bring my own little pack out or something, I do. Um, and you're exactly right about the procedures. Like I always explain to people, I am a substitute for no care. I am not a substitute for going to the dental office. Ah. So if you can go to a dental office for your veneers, for your implants, for your endo, like you absolutely should. That's where the CBCTs live. That's where the CEREC lives. Like I'm never going to bring that into someone's three-story walk-up, right? But in their house, I can do a lot of minimal things like minimal restorative, easy, simple extractions, denture adjustments, Profies, um, smoothing sharp edges. You mentioned for yeah, patients in yeah. hospice. People are just trying to enjoy the last couple exactly. weeks of their life, and they have this broken tooth that's cutting their tongue, where maybe if they were 25, we would take that tooth out. But if they're just trying to enjoy the end of life with loved ones, smooth that sucker down. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. It's interesting, the ethical dilemmas that kind of pop up and the, the different ways you treat patients depending on their specific situation. Good um, for you. I love that. Thanks. Good for you. So what's your average day like? Yeah. I feel like what is like, so most of us are going back to work on Monday. Like what, like what are you doing Monday? I am seeing three people, usually a 1030, a 1230 and a 2:30. Um, more, it can be different. You know, if I, some patients request that I do all their work at one appointment, right? So maybe I only have one or two visits per day, usually three. I can squeeze in four if I'm doing a denture delivery or something like that. Um, yeah. And you just drive around and I try to schedule my appointments where my patients live near one another. Um, to make it convenient. I almost feel like a real estate agent sometimes. That's what my father does. So he'll schedule his appointments neighborhood by neighborhood. And that's what I try to do with mine. And it's, yeah, I'm usually in my car by 10 a.m., usually at home by 4. And then when I get home, I'll sterilize, unpack, and everything else. It's a great day. I would love to be able to stop by the bank in the middle of my day. (laughs) Or make a phone call that not everyone's listening to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a different, different life for sure. But Brian, tell us more about what you do. I'm so blown away. I don't. I don't remember. I don't. I don't. I don't want to. <laughs> I, uh, I want to know more about you. <laughs> um, well, I, I spent a lot of time writing recently. I just published a gigantic best practices report for the Association for State and Territorial Dental Directors on the prevention and management of early childhood caries. So just finished up that project. Um, I'm the president of the National Camber Coalition. Uh, I teach. Um, a lot of speaking right now. This is kind of, well, you know, it's the big speaking time of year. For like, there's a dental meeting every single week right now. Gotcha. Um, and so uh, right now I'm just kind of floating, kind of get to get this big speaking fall schedule out and then, um, yeah, and go back into full-time patient care, which is hard when you're out speaking because, so getting back to, like, so yeah, I have very tradi- untraditional road after school. So I was recruited to teach dental materials at a dental school right up right before I graduated and started doing that. And then my department chair said, I, we need you to teach cariology. And I went, no, <laughs> no, no, no one can that make work that. Out, no, no, you can't make cariology interesting. And now I talk about cariology everywhere. <laughs> so uh, I do a lot of consulting uh, for manufacturers, writing, 
clinical practice, speaking, teaching, and traveling. Well, you I have spend a more new time teaching, traveling. But you have a new <gasps> teaching? I do. I forgot about that. So I am very excited to be one of, I'm not the first faculty member because the dean and, and the associate dean have been appointed, but the university, or Pikeville University in Appalachia. So I'm going to be That's the cariology so cool. professor. And we've got, I think, so I've only had one call, but I'm super excited. So I'm going to be the cariology professor in rural Appalachia. Uh, wow. The poverty rate is 57%. They're building a big dental school and dental clinic in rural Appalachia in a small town. We're going to bring patients in. I love, but I want to talk goodness. to you more because I'm thinking, so we're going to, and this is my concept, so if Dr. Stein, if you're listening to this as dean of <laughs> Pikeville University, or is it University of Pikeville? I should learn that. I apologize. I will, I will know that soon. Um, uh, so we're going to tie dental students' hands behind their back, and before they ever are allowed to touch a handpiece on a patient, they're going to learn how to take care of patients using their own mouths and focusing on behavior change and focusing on minimally invasive dentistry and getting patients healthier. Because I'm thinking, gosh, you go into Appalachia, I don't know that we need to. I don't know that we should be thinking minimal invasive dentistry in Appalachia. We got it. We have to get the disease out of that population. That's going to require a lot of extractions and a lot of removable. And once you get the disease controlled in the adult population, I think you can then expect some changes to be seen in the pediatric population. But I think it's going to be super, super exciting to see what happens. Because, a lot of opportunity. There. Yes. Yeah. And people are like, why would you want to go teach? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What could yeah. possibly go wrong? What could, What are we going to do? Lower the disease burden in the, most pr in the, I think, the 51st state in edentialism. I mean, but the question is going to become, do you save money when you preserve teeth? Because, you know, we've all, we in, in dentistry assume prevention is, is the way you save money, prevent the disease. But in patients who have the disease, it doesn't make sense to try to prevent it. We all know you're going to be restoring recurrent decay the rest of, the rest of that patient's life. So yeah. how do we got to turn off the faucet first mm -hmm. and then figure out how to fill up all those glasses and move all that water somewhere else? I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm tickled. I'm tickled. That's exciting. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And how this all sort of starts weaving together when you think about it. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm thinking, I want to know more about how do we get these, how do we teach these students to do what you do and go into the haulers in Appalachia and talk to the community? Because all these, all these kids are going to be recruited from high school into, I mean, we're going into high schools to recruit kids to be dentists and say, there's a future for you in Appalachia. You can be a healthcare provider. Do you want to be a dentist? You're a senior in high school right now. Let's get you into dental school. That's amazing. And you're absolutely right to go and speak to, I mean, young high school students, college students, dental students. For me, I'm also on a mission to recruit more dentists to do the kind of treatment that I do, um, whether it's locally in my community or elsewhere. So I, like you, I've started trying to talk to younger dentists, dental students. They reach out on Instagram, social media, and I just developed um, like a course that they could purchase to learn how to have this kind of business Look at model. her. She develops a course people can purchase. I just... Well, just I like mean, giving it away. We should do a podcast people episode yeah. on this or like, something. Sure, I'll help you with that patient. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I answer questions all the time too, but sometimes like people want to meet frequently or they yeah. want to have a long call, and I'm like, listen, this is everything you need. If you need, you know, take it at your own pace, do your own thing, and it's something that I wish I had when I was getting started because, um, you know, first of all, we know that they don't teach a lot about business in, in uh. dental school. We know that I, because I always wanted to do good, I went into dental school to reach the underserved. I assumed I had to work full-time in public health. Well, then I did that, and I realized I can't live, you know, I can't keep doing that. It was very taxing. So mm -hmm. it's something that I, it's a career I never even knew existed, let alone knew how to implement. So it's like, you know, you should talk to dental students and younger students about how to get involved with these things because 
a lack of um, like mentorship and leadership can just confuse everybody yeah. or make everything harder. So if you know something that they don't know, you definitely should go teach them that. Um, well, I, for the dental students listening to this, I, I hope that you're actually realizing there is more to life than just going into a private practice and sitting chair side because you're going to learn very, very soon after doing this. I don't know how long it took you or you or you. I, well, I think I know how long. You get to a point where you're like, life, I did not go to all this school to anesthetize, drill, and fill, and move on to the next patient. Anesthetize, drill, fill, move on to the next patient. My back is killing me in the day. I'm going to chiropractors at lunchtime three times a week. Then I'm going to go get a massage <laughs> once a month. And I'm like, oh, my back, my back, my back. Broken. Yeah. And yet we continue to do it because we know we, we just have these compassionate hearts and, and, and we have empathy and, and, and we have the ability to help people. How do you say, no, I can't? So I, I, I do what she did. Do well, what she did. Start your own practice, did, mobile. <laughs> well, I'm going to jump no, in because you're for taking a care. You're uh, you're improving access to care, and we. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. no, no. You are improving access to care, but I will tell you, is like, I'm going to. That's mine? yours. Yes, I'm going to speak upon you know for the private practitioner, because, I mean, I'm a prosthodontist. I mean, if I can't do it well, I don't want to do it at all. You're a great prosthodontist, by the way. Love ya. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. So okay, I feel like sometimes for us in private practice, we see people who have a special need or need more or could benefit from a home visit. And I think a lot of us feel, well, if I can't do this restoration like I know I can do this restoration, I don't want to do it at all. And I think that what you're providing and what you're describing is that you don't have to do your AACD dentistry on every single person, that sometimes you can provide something that they need. And so I'm hearing you and I'm thinking, wow, this could inspire a side hustle, say, for somebody who's in private practice three, two and a half, four days a week, and then maybe reserve that time for, you know, the patients that have aged out of your practice. Exactly. I've got a lot of patients yeah. that have aged out, and it's like, bye, you know, see you in your obituary. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what happens sometimes. They and don't teach us in dental school that our patients are going to die on us. They teach us if your yeah. patient yeah. dies within a certain period of time being in the office, you must report yourself. For, them, for having that adverse outcome. But they don't, I mean, they don't, you fall in love with these patients and they wind up in hospice and you can't just abandon them. So, I mean, I think yeah. there's, there is a natural transition to dental student what you do because I wound up in a pediatric, not a pediatric practice, but I wound up in the practice I grew up in and the dentist handed me all of my Sunday school teachers. And how do you walk into the, the little ladies who taught you the Bible and sell them veneers? Right. And I was like, and he goes, <laughs> and all these big crowns, restorations, just, just, you, you know how to take care. I'm like, yeah, I can't sell, I can't sell my Sunday school teacher all this cosmetic dentistry, and they don't need it. But then as they age out, like I can't come back to the practice, do you just say, well, sucks to be you, I guess. No, you did. It. I mean, it, though, when that happens to these dental students out of school a couple of years out, it's going to be really easy for them to say, I remember that podcast, and they, like, you, I could take services to them. And with yeah. things like silver dining fluoride and cure it yes. you can do a heck of a lot with DICAL even. A ton. Okay. And you're right about a side hustle. That's how my business started. I was working full-time in public health, but it was a four-day week. Where are full-time. you, Ashley? I'm in Buffalo, New York. Okay. Yeah, so that is, um, it was a four-day week full-time public health gig, but I had one day a week to play with. So when, when I got out of residency and started working, I was in private practice to get that experience and save up some cash. And then once I did that, then I could start this project as a side hustle one day a week. And then as I got busier, I dropped days. So that's kind of how it went. So anybody could do this, even as someone who loves chair-side dentistry, because the truth is, as a house call dentist, there's a lot of procedures I don't get to do that I really mm-hmm. like to do. I like to do surgical like extractions. crowns. For, well, I haven't, no, <laughs> not typically. 11-12. I, I love, um, like, number 31. Certain, 
easy, easy endo I'm talking about. Like, 32. Nothing hard. But there's, you know, there's opportunities for me to pick up, like, temp shifts for people who are on leave, for me to, you know, get my hands wet doing things I don't want to forget how to do. But, yes, it can absolutely be a side hustle or a regular part of somebody's chairside practice. Um, it's so flexible. It can be anything that anyone needs it to be. But what you're talking about, people aging out of practice, I just heard a heartbreaking story from a gentleman, which kind of lit me up again this weekend. He is a general dentist with a private practice who just kindly decided to make somebody's uh, mother a denture at home. This is 20, 30 years ago. And then he said he never really followed up with her. He, he made her the denture, and the daughter would come in, and the daughter would say, my mom's doing well. He'd say, how's your mom? She's doing well. And then 10 years later, after he made her that denture, she's 90-something, and the daughter comes in and says, do you mind looking um, in my mom's mouth? She says everything's fine, but she has dementia, and she's not eating. And he goes and looks, and isn't it squamous cell carcinoma from a sore spot that hadn't uh. been adjusted for who knows how many years? And it's not anyone's fault, not his fault, not. but he felt this way. And I told him, I said, that's not your fault. You know, you didn't, they didn't ask you to come over, and it's, they didn't come in, or, like, you didn't know. Um, but these things happen, and we just, people do. They lose track of patients. Patients age out. And one of my biggest referral sources is from dental offices in my community of patients who have aged out. They'll say, I love Mrs. So-and-so. She's been coming here for 30 years. Her kids all come here. Do you mind seeing her at home because she can't come in anymore? So it is good to follow up with people for a lifetime. Yeah. So what does that look like? So I want to be like, all right, cool. So next week I'm going to call my patients that I haven't seen. I'm going to be like, hey, I can come over if you want to. I'll do that. Salem Dental Arts on the road. Let's do it. It's not really a reality because you have to have equipment that can be transportable. I mean, obviously you mentioned the Nomad, so you can take imaging. I'm imagining an intraoral scanner would be bomb for something oh. like this. Amazing. So, what you could do camera. with it. Yeah. Yes. Like, what is Use your... Yes, I use mouthwatch. Sure yeah. So what is mouthwatch if you're watching? I didn't mean I did I didn't mean to be a plug. I was just like, well that's gotta be I would that's what I would use. Yeah, yeah. so what is like so all right, so somebody wants to get started, like how do you get started? What are you know, you said smoothing a do you do that with a like a lab hand piece that you can, you know, kinda of place? Like how like what's the What's like, your the, gear? What's your kit one oh one? It's an aseptico setup. Well, very similar, yeah. Okay. So it's um you can do something like that. You can go and get the portable units that have the suction and the high speed and everything else. And then that allows you to do a lot of work. And so that's, I think, an ideal way if you're going to be a full-time house call dentist or do this long-term. But even if you're just, um, you know, like my, my friend who 30 years ago, what he did is he brought a little Dremel, and that's what he used in the house to adjust the dentures and things like that. So you can get started with a Dremel and some slow-speed attachment units to that or some friction grip attachments and do things like smoothing sharp edges. Now, I don't recommend doing restorative with that or anything but you know as far as getting started or doing something that's probably like the easiest lowest barrier to entry right there I know some house call dentists who don't use any kind of hand piece at all or high speed they just their services are limited to things like exams or profies with scalers um, so it's actually interesting to talk about this because it's it's not only um, uncommon but because it's uncommon it's very unregulated there's no standard for what every house call dentist does so a house call dentist might say they're a house call dentist and they primarily apply SDF, do, um, you know, routine, like, preventative maintenance, or they could just be like, I'm the person who visits the adult care facility and does the monthly exams. So mm. it's there's a wide range, and getting started, I mean, you could start there and then work your way up and invest in more equipment and offer more services as time goes on. Um, but there's a lot of ways to, to get started. Do you have a relationship with another office, which is, like, your hub where you go to sterilize your your instruments after you use them? So you I go, don't. Not currently, so no. So where – so – I mean, I, so you must, you have like a, the licensure that you have through the state of, Ma of New York. Is there, <coughs> what is that, what category do you, f 
where do you fit into that light? I don't even know how licensure would work for portable dentistry, but because you don't have an office location. Nope. I work out of my home and I have my sterilizer. My, my first year in practice, I did when I was doing it as a side hustle, when I worked full time in public health, my buddy let me go into his office on nights and weekends to use his autoclave. Okay. And then again, as you get busier and you're able to accumulate more equipment, I bought my own and now I'm at okay. home and it's like, it's unregulated, but I'm still doing the spore tested. Like you still have to be ethical about everything, but yeah, it's not exactly um, anything that someone, no OSHA inspectors coming into my home office. Although they could, I walk, I mean, it's, it's clean, it's great. But like, um, <laughs> there's no, you know, it's, it's uncommon and therefore unregulated and a lot of opportunity. So you mm. have to find somebody who really knows or really cares and who you can trust and knows what they're doing because although it is possible for people to do it as a side hustle or to work chair side and do it, it's nice if you find someone who really only does house calls because then they're going to be very dedicated to making sure that they know, you know, that they're, everything's on the up and up. Yeah. I would imagine that a really like easy thing to maybe implement would be glass ionomer. Do you use oh, yeah. a lot of glass? I know. Yes. I, I know. I'm sorry. Wait a Seriously? Second. Are we asking the biomaterials Seriously? guy? Glass ionomer. Oh, what I, what should I be using? Oh man, this is why this is why I'm here. I need to learn some See? things from you. What glass ionomer are you using? Fuji. Which one? What is that? I knew I liked you. Oh, okay, good. All right, cool. <laughs> well, I'm, like, an wait a I'm an Equia Forte guy myself, <laughs> oh, okay, but um, okay. but yeah, any, any Fuji. I, you know what? Is everyone, everyone says Fuji? Oh, hell, heck yeah, Fuji. You know they have an auto mix. You don't have to yes. get a church rater. Yes, yeah, yeah. Fuji, too, Fuji auto mix. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very common that thing. That is I use. that's a sealant material I think more people need to pick up and use because people are afraid to do sealants with glass ionomer, but with that paste paste resin modified glass ionomer product, you don't need to triturate. You can squirt it right into the tooth. Mm -hmm. I don't know why more people don't use that as a sealant material and. Fuji 2LC is one of the best performing sealant materials in um, uh, in the systematic reviews. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I was taught well. You were. Good. Where'd you go to dental school? Buffalo. Well, Buffalo. Or I've never left. I mean, I'm here in Orlando for this conference just for the week. I'm not moving here, but yeah. I'm one of those born, raised, never leaving Buffalo people. And well, Buffalo's better for <laughs> it, clearly. Yeah. 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 Lucky Buffalo. Lucky Buffalo. <laughs> Indeed. So one of the things I think you both were saying without necessarily saying it, it's something I picked up at Panky early on in days, and I was really grateful for that was appropriate care as mm. opposed to everybody getting ideal. ideal and I think it's easy for all of us in dentistry but especially young dentists and students to get locked into ideal and sometimes ideal is not a thing and then we beat ourselves up or we just don't treat that patient because that makes me lesser of a dentist because now I'm no longer doing ideal anymore so mm. let me just make that someone else's issue instead of taking on that responsibility and and doing some real good yeah. for people I don't yeah, know, everybody's different. Yeah. So we're running low on time. I hate are, this are because like this goes by so quickly. It does. I know it's, it's crazy. Been like two minutes. I know it's insane. I haven't even talked. <laughs> I know you didn't even say anything. <laughs> I heard nothing. I I know. Well, I turned you off. Let's no, okay. You told me you couldn't hear me. Okay. Yeah. This has almost been a whole lip syncing episode. So what? clearly, <laughs> <laughs> is this on? <laughs> are you? Should I be hearing things in here? No. I'm, no, I'm just, what? Just just four voices. <laughs> your editor's going <laughs> to I have Jay-Z through again. your earbuds there. No, <sighs> so clearly you could take another path, and you can do this in a way that's lucrative. Can I say something? Because I didn't say Because now that we're thinking more about this, I just want to yeah. add one thing. I think the career path that, people, that most dental students don't realize is out there is if, you have some, if, you, if there's something that you graduate dental school and you're passionate about, write a paper about it. Yeah. Take the time to write a paper about it because you will get your name out there as someone who is a thought leader in this area. You'd be very surprised at how far one little paper 
can take your career. Oh. It can it can launch it. Can I add to that? Yeah, absolutely. Is there a book? There's a book. Some guy wrote a book. Some guy wrote a book. I've been reading this book. It's called "Is Everyone Smiling But You." I've been reading. I've been just picked up this book at the. And it looks really. Wait, you wrote that. I, I, That's. I know that. Is name. there a different David Rice? There's, there's, no different there's a few out there. It's a fairly you know it's like Smith Rice. You know okay. there's a bunch of us. But but turns out there's an editor sitting at this table. <gasps> I forgot. But my career started yeah. with writing, too. I mean, after totally. the Adult Preventive Practice of the Year, it started, you know, really took off when I started writing. Yeah. So I think that's exceptional advice. It's great advice. About it, it doesn't go away, right? So right. let's face it. Social media platforms change. Things change. But writing and getting published, it's foundational. Yeah. Yes. Timeless. Email me. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's great advice. Now, where can, obviously, we only have a short time together. Where can people follow you? How can people maybe take courses from you? Your course, your courses. Like, how can people follow you and learn more? I would encourage anyone who's interested in house call dentistry to visit residentalmovement.com. It's like a play on the word residential, residentalmovement.com. And there you can find links to podcast episodes, articles, Is that your courses. website? Yes. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. If you want to get in touch with me, my cell phone number is 909-856-0699. Or go to holymolar.com. Or yeah. actually, holymolar.com doesn't work right now. It's W-H-O-L-L-Y-M-O-L-A-R.net. Got to contact GoDaddy when I get home. Uh, he will text you back. Yeah, I will. T- I will, I will try. Unless you text message me while I'm speaking at, like, SmileCon, then I'm not going to text message you back. Uh, no. Do we have parting presents? We do. We have gifts for you. We have official Dentistry Unmasked Air Tags. Oh to gosh. share with you guys. They're legit. Thank you so for joining us. Yeah, you guys are amazing. This is so you can track wherever we are in the world. You know, so far, everybody's picking up on that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to slip that you under the radar. Need to do. I would like we you to, to stick this it to, to your phone. <laughs> that even works in Appalachia. <laughs> so excited. In case yeah. I drop it, thank my drop Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me, really. Uh, we're so glad you. you are here. Thank you for oh, thank being you. here. All right, everybody. We will see you again. You guys enjoy SmileCon. And for Dentistry Unmasked, we'll see you next week. Thank you, everyone, for watching or listening to the show this week. And thanks to our guests and sponsors on this episode. Please check out our social media at Dr. Pamela underscore Maragliano and at Dental Economics Official. Or you can check me out at Ignite DDS or at Dr. David Rice. And go to dentaleconomics.com to receive dental economics. You can choose to receive DE in print or digitally, and you can also get the details of our Principles of Practice Management Conference on our website. If you have topics or guests or anything you'd like to talk about on the show, send us an email to dentistryunmaskedpodcast at gmail.com, and we will do our very best to make it happen. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.